Okay. We're going to continue on. And, and um, I wanted to read you something from this one Lama so you can see that this study of, of the way I'm, I'm approaching this um, in terms of how to meditate is not exclusive to our Chan school, but also used in the Tibetan school. But this master's writings, you'll find parallel to whatever I'm, I'm saying. And, um, but it's always useful to hear it from another source. So, so you see that there's um, a, a validity to what I'm saying. And there's also this exhortation of this master to tell you this is the way that we need to practice. So, um, he, he, he starts out it's talking about clarity and non-duality. He says, we can be led naturally to the spacious experience of non-duality. So, again, here he's talking about being led naturally, and which is what I was saying, is that you don't have to pick up anything. Mind will naturally reveal itself to you. And this is an important aspect in terms of how mind works. It's very, very incredible. But it uh, starts this way. By contemplating our stream of consciousness, remember, whenever you hear the word contemplate, it's not thinking about things. It's contemplating. It's looking into, investigating. In met. By contemplating our stream of consciousness in meditation, we can be led naturally to the spacious experience of non-duality. Non-duality meaning no subject, object, no one seeing anything. As we observe our thoughts carefully, we will notice that they arise, abide, and disappear themselves. There is no need to expel thoughts from our mind forcefully. Just as each thought arises from the clear nature of mind, so too does it naturally dissolve back into this clear nature. When thoughts eventually dissolve in this way, we should keep our mind concentrated on the resulting clarity as undistractedly as we can. So when we're able to get to this point where we're seeing thoughts rise and fall, and we're not taking the bait. They come up and they naturally just go away. Then we, we, we keep that clarity at, when they're saying as undistractedly as possible. What it means is that don't start slapping yourself on the back or congratulating or throwing confetti or whatever. Just stay with that, just stay there. Uh, what I talk about, don't pick the green fruit. Okay, you got there, you know, no big deal just keep going okay because all of a sudden you start going that's it that's what Kilbert was saying you know wait till I tell him about this you know he's gonna be very impressed you know I'd be more impressed if you just stay on the method so then it continues we should train ourselves not to become engrossed in any of the thoughts continuously arising in our mind our consciousness is like a vast ocean with plenty of space for thoughts and emotions to swim about in. We shouldn't allow our attention to be distracted by any of them. It does not matter if a certain fish is particularly beautiful or repulsive 
without being distracted one way or another, we should remain focused on our mind's basic clarity. Even if a magnificent vision arises, the kind we've been waiting for for years to see, we should not engage it in conversation. We should, of course, remain aware of what's going on. The point is not to become so dull-minded that we do not notice anything. However, while remaining aware of thoughts as they arise, we should not become entranced by any of them. Instead, we should remain mindful of the underlying clarity out of which these thoughts arise. Some of the ancient masters said that we should put our mind at where thoughts arise and where thoughts go. This is this clarity of the mind. And so when we're aware of it, we see all the way down a thousand feet deep into the in, into the ocean and it's crystal clear. Why is it so important to contemplate the clarity of our consciousness in this way? Because as we've seen again and again, the source of all our happiness and suffering, the root of the pains of samsara and the bliss of nirvana is the mind. And within mind is our habitual wrong view, our ignorant, insecure ego grasping that holds on to hallucination of concrete self-existence as if it were reality. The way to break the spell of this hallucination is to see the illusory nature of things and recognize that all phenomena are nothing but fleeting appearances arising in the clear space of mind. And when he talks about this, I, I think he's a, a bit wrong where he says that, um, no, actually it, it, it's clear, it, it just the way he says, and within mind is our wrongful view. It, that's, that is correct, I, I won't correct him on that. Um, it, it's just that within that mind is that, is that erroneous habitual energy of, uh, in the consciousness. Uh, but all of that still is within mind itself. By watching our thoughts come and go this way, we move even closer to the correct view of emptiness. Seemingly concrete appearances will arise, remain for a while, and then disappear back into the clear nature of mind. As each thought disappears in this way, we should train in this type of not seeing. So let me read that again. As each thought disappears in this way, we should train in this type of not seeing. The more familiar we become with the clear spaciousness of mind, then even extremely destructive thoughts and emotions such as anger and jealousy arise, we will remain in contact with the underlying purity of our consciousness. This purity is always with us and whatever contact with the underlying, excuse me, whatever contact with delusion we may experience are only superficial obscurations that will eventually pass, leaving us with essentially the clear nature of mind. When you contemplate your own consciousness with intense awareness, leaving aside all thoughts of good and bad, you're automatically led to this experience of non-duality. And he says, how is that possible? 
Think of it like this. The clean, clear blue sky is like consciousness, while the smoke and pollution pumped into the sky are like the unnatural artificial concepts manufactured by the ego-grasping ignorance. Now, even though we say the pollutants are contaminating the atmosphere, the sky never really becomes contaminated by the pollution. The sky and pollution each retain their own characteristic nature. In other words, the fundamental level of the sky remains unaffected no matter how much toxic energy enters it. The proof of this is that when the conditions change, the sky becomes clear again. I will change that a little bit in terms of, of the way I would look at that. And I would say that all of those things are the clear light. They all are. Even the part of the pollutants, they're the clear light. They have to be part of the clear light. It is only our notion of false thinking that arises in the consciousness that confuses us into thinking that, that it's contaminated. Or that's it. The reason it is because cosmic condition never fails. It's perfectly arising in mind there, and we do not want to create a separation where there's these these pollutants that that are there that need to be removed. If we see it clearly as just the mind itself and the function of mind, we see that ultimately all of those things, nevertheless, however profane they may be, are still mine, acting perfectly in the way it should. Master Shen Yang once had a, he was using a, an example, and he said, think of, of um, the mind, and it has this, this, it's like a very clear white plate, and you, you have all of the, this dust on it. And with the method, you just go and you go, and all the dust comes off, and then the plate is perfectly clear and brilliant. And so he said, how do you like that analogy? What do you think of it? So the people go, oh, Shifu, that's analogy. That's a very good analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah, that explains it very well. And so then I raised my hand, and he says, Gilbert, well, what do you think about it? And I went, Shifu, I was just wondering, where did the dust go? And he looked at me and goes, where did the dust go? I said, yeah, I'm just wondering where the dust went. And he said, well, I cannot believe you asked such a stupid question, you know. That, it's a stupid question. You just messed up my whole example, you know. And the people were going like, yeah, it's stupid. You're like, really stupid, you know. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, and he knows, and I know. And... And later on that evening, he called me to his chambers to ask me more about this issue of where did the dust go. Do you know why? You should know by now from what I've been telling you. What? It's all mine. It's all mine. So where could the dust go? The, the dust doesn't disappear. It's mine. So he's using an example um, in a way to say that we need to practice and take the dust off. But I'm cutting to the ultimate absolute reality, saying that the dust is not profane, the dust is not dirty. It, it, by its nature, it's mine. And so 
all we need to do is just understand originally it's mine. And by understanding originally it's mine, then then everything is clear. And so even if something appears to have pollutants in it, it doesn't obscure the true nature of the mind, which allows these things to appear within it. And so it's a different kind of an approach to it. But to a class like that, he had to kind of make a big demonstration about, about the whole thing. But it was just a very humorous thing to me because I was looking at it going like, you know, this is like, like obvious in terms of, of how you do it. But the idea, again, is, is that we understand how mind works. So we don't start thinking about the negativity in the mind or things that are this way or that way. We understand wholesomeness has nothing to do with like what I said yesterday, putting a fig leaf on a statue. It has to do with just not attaching to the things that are arising. And so when we don't attach to them, then we can use the mind in the proper way, use consciousness in the proper way to, to carry out whatever purposes that we need to do. And it's in this way that, that we practice. So I read from this master who's really saying the, the same thing that I've been saying all day long. And, and so looking into mind in this way, using this as your background, your right view, then you should be able to practice better. So face the wall and we'll do some meditation.